Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the Project Gen X podcast. Uh, this is a mini episode that I'm putting together. We have a, um, we do have a regular episode coming this week, but uh, I wanted to do this one because I uh, had a chance to go to the movies a couple of times in the last week, and uh, neither one of them are, well, one of them we might actually at some point talk about. But uh, as of right now, we're not going to do any reviews on either one of these movies. Uh, the first one I saw was uh, the new Kevin Smith movie, Clerks 3. Now, you know that uh, if you've listened to our show for any amount of time, you know that, that Dave and I and Barry all uh, love Clerks. And um, we did an episode, and I don't know, I think it was in our first year, about Clerks and Clerks 2, and Dave and I, you know, we just, we gushed over both the movies. I have many times said that Clerks, for Gen X, but especially for my own life, has, has mirrored a, a lot of what, what was going on at the time when, when these movies were released. Uh, when the first one released, I was 20 years old in 1994, working a dead-end job, and, you know, just really kind of like uh, trying to figure out what's going on in life, and stuff like Star Wars, and just interactions with random people, just, you know, a lot of that stuff really rang true. Um, then when you get to Clerks 2, you fast forward, that one came out in 2006, so it was 12 years later, and I have to say that I was going through kind of my own midlife crisis at the time, and so that movie hit me where I lived once again. Um, and now we, we, we get to Clerks 3, which is another 12 years, or 16 years later. And it, again, hits me, me, and it will hit a lot of people where they live in dealing with middle-aged, you know, being 50-ish years old, and um, the, the things that go with that. If you know anything about Kevin Smith in the last few years, then you've heard him talk about his heart attack. And, you know, it obviously affected him quite a bit. And uh, he wrote that into the movie. And it gets really meta. You can tell from, if you watch the trailer, it gets really meta about, you know, Randall has a heart attack and decides that he wants to um, do something with his life. So he decides to make a movie about him and Dante working at the, you know, the quick stop. And so it's, it's essentially, you know, him making the first clerks movie. Um, what I didn't know going into this movie was just how emotional this movie was going to be. Clerks three really touches on, you know, people looking at mortality, you know, being in that, again, in that middle age, you know, 50, in that 50 year old range, and thinking about, like, how much time do I have left? Uh, and, you know, is, you know, the threat of a heart attack really looming over every, you know, looming over us all at any given time? You're kind of like just around the corner. But also dealing with loss, because there there is a, um, a subplot, or not really a subplot, but there is an aspect of the story that, that happens between the movies that I did not see coming that really just, it, it was, it was rough. And I will say this, I don't, I don't want to give a, a bunch of spoilers. I'm not going to give any spoilers if I can in this movie, but or in this review, but 
one of the things that I've always kind of had a little bit of a problem with with the with the Clerks movies. I mean, and the first Clerks I didn't have the problem with. The second one I was I really started having problems with the character of Randall because he's such an asshole and so self centered. And I know that was kind of like you know when you're twenty 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 two years old, however however old they're supposed to be in this. Uh, yeah, I think they're like twenty two, twenty three, somewhere in there. You can get away with that and kind of be, oh yeah, you know, they're, you know, he's young. It's, you know, just kind of whatever. You fast forward and you know now you're over thirty and you're still acting that way, that same way. And it's like, all right, this is not as, this isn't as funny as it once was. And then you get to Clerks Three and the character of Randall has a reckoning with all of that. Finally, I mean, finally, and. um it's handled pretty well. Um, I, I have often said about Kevin Smith that he is at his best. You know, most people always talk about, you know, his dialogue or, you know, all this pop culture references and this and that. I've always felt like Kevin Smith is at his best when he is kind of being sentimental and he's kind of getting to the heart of things and dealing with actual real life as opposed to this hyper real life that you see in his movies a lot of times. Um, it goes back to um, Chasing Amy. Um I've always loved that movie, and I always looked at, you know, there's been a lot said about that, about Chasing Amy, uh, about the way the subject matter was handled here and there. When I first saw it back in 97, and all the way to now, I've always looked at that as like, you know what, if you take Alyssa Jones, and you take away her being a lesbian before she meets Holden, and just let her be you know, a, a straight woman or any, any, however you want to do that. If you want to reverse the roles, whatever it is, it really comes down to how people deal with insecurities inside of their relationships. And it really gets very heartfelt and really destructive. And, and it really, it opens up a lot of, it shines a light on a lot of the ugly that happens inside of relationships when people's insecurities start coming to the surface. That's the read I've always had on it. And Clerks 2 really got to the heart of the matter of, you know, these two characters that feel like they're still stuck, that they've been stuck for all these years, and one of them thinks he sees a way out, even though he's going to essentially be, you know, Dante, you know, marrying you know getting engaged to emma and wanting to you know move to florida with her it really is that whole because becky calls him out and says hey you know you're going with the safe option here she's going to tell you what to do you don't have to think about anything you don't ever have to make any decisions on your own again because she's going to make all of them for you and you know him having to reckon with that and randall having to reckon with the whole did life pass me by you know and and didn't have i spent the last 12 years at quick stop and at movies, and not doing anything with my life. Um, and then, you know, at the end of that movie, when it comes down to the whole, like, no, I would, if I, I had a choice, I would buy the quick stop, and we would own it, or we would own it together, and, and work there, and that's what we would do. Great way. This movie, again, deals with characters coming to terms with their mortality. Um, like I said, I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but this movie ends about the only way that this series could end. And I know that might be a light spoiler there, but it really is one of those, this this has to be the end of the Clerk saga. You know, I mean, it, it, the, especially the way that it was written and everything, you know. 
Um, of course, they can always do a reboot like they did with Jay and Silent Bob a few years ago and or whatever, but it really is a nice cap. Um, you know, the, what started almost 30 years ago and now, hey, here we are on the end of it, kind of you know, really telling, the, you know, bringing an end to the story of the clerks. And, um, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend seeing it if you get a chance. I'm sure it'll be on VOD before long. Uh, uh, but, yeah, definitely. I'll tell you the one the one problem that I had with the movie was the, the crowd. This is the same problem I've had with going to see Kevin Smith movies many times over the years, is that the crowd that shows up are such fanboys and fangirls that every little thing that's even a slight reference to something that happened before there's people laughing and pointing, oh yeah, that was this, and it's just like, God, can we just watch the movie? I mean, yeah, we all get it, okay? We're all here, we get it. Let's just watch the movie. Uh, that's my complaint about a lot of things, though, is uh, just people so caught up in references that they, they're they kind of failing to see the, the bigger picture. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Clerks 3, on my scale, I usually do a five star. I would give it. I will give it four stars. Um, as far as like, and this is how I I rate Clerks Clerks Two and Clerks Three is that Clerks Two is most definitely it's kind of the Empire Strikes Back of the, of the trilogy. It is the better, in my opinion, it is the better of the movies. Clerks is a very close second. Clerks Three is a very close third behind that. Um, it it uh. It really does round out the trilogy nicely. So, uh, yeah, go check out Clerks 3. All right, so the other movie that I got to see this last weekend was something that kind of, I remembered hearing that it was going to be, that it was going to be made, but I didn't hear anything else about it for a while, partly because I just hadn't been keeping up with a lot of the trades or anything. Uh, There was a documentary that was released this last weekend called Moon Age Daydream. So if you know me, you know anything about pop culture in the last 50 years, then you know it's it's a documentary about David Bowie. And it's really kind of cool because unlike a lot of other documentaries where they sit down and they talk to the people that were around the person, you know, that were there in the recording sessions or, you know, friends and family and that kind of stuff, this is all told with David Bowie's own words. Um, starting back, you know, in the early 70s, all the way through until his unfortunate passing in 2016, we, it's, it's a bunch of archive interviews that he did, and um, it covers all the aspects, it's not just his music, it also covers him acting, it also covers his artwork, um, which I've seen bits and pieces of his paintings over the years, but even in this documentary, he talks about how, like, he didn't really show a lot of his paintings for a, a long time because he kind of those were his, and he wasn't sure that he was ready to, to share them with the world. We get to see a lot of them here. Uh, it's really kind of cool. I really enjoyed it quite a bit, to be honest. It um, two hours and fifteen minutes long does not feel like it whatsoever. Um, visually, it is stunning. Uh, they they intercut pieces of classic film and different things like that in between from time to time. It's not a, the best way I know how to describe it is uh, kind of like the old show uh, Dream On, the way that they would intercut stuff, you know, um, in between scenes. They do a little bit of that here, not to the same degree. It's not a constant thing. It's just every once in a while, um, as well as, you know, a lot of it is, is intercuts of, of him 
doing different, you know, whether it's on stage or him in interviews or even just, you know, I guess for some people had followed him around in the past, you know, for, for stuff for the BBC or whatever. And he was, you know, just kind of like going through his daily life. It's really kind of neat to see. Plus the fact that like, of course, the music is just great. It's got quite a few live performances. None of them really stood out as like, oh, this is, you know, you have to actually have to see this. Uh, and it's not as comprehensive as you might think. You know, it does touch on, it really touches on the 70s stuff, especially through the Ziggy Stardust and, you know, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. It goes a little bit into the uh, the Berlin cycle. And then it picks up with Let's, Let's Dance, you know, where he had kind of gone into exile for a number of years, so it didn't tour. He released albums, but he just didn't tour during that time period. And then it kind of picks up there. And it it gets bits and pieces through the rest of the 80s and a little bit into the 90s, but it, it, then it just kind of jumps forward. And I just say forward because it's it's linear, but it's not this happened and this happened and this happened type linear where it's it's like it's telling the story of his life but it's not necessarily you know doing it in what you would see in a biopic or something like that it's pretty interesting uh, again like i said it's all him it's there's there's no one else in this that's narrating about david bowie you know there's, there's a few other people in there like you know in interviews we'll show the you know the interviewer but it's all his words talking about himself and why he, you know, why he does the things that he does, why he keeps putting on these, you know, these, creating these new personas and this and that. I highly, highly recommend it. I enjoyed it immensely. And um, I will say this about both movies. Um, I did not walk out of either theater with a dry face, okay? It's... Um, um, for, for different reasons, you know, well, some, some similar reasons, but some, some different reasons as well, and, um, yeah, if you get a chance, it's in IMAX, which is really kind of cool, uh, so, you know, it, that's, that's the only way that, that, that Moon Age Daydream is being shown, is in IMAX, and that's kind of cool, to sit there on this huge screen, and, and see, you know, this larger-than-life figure, you know, going through his life, and, uh, I recommend both of these. Like I said, this is um, this is the first mini episode that I'm going to... Oh, well, oh, let me give you, uh, before I get into all of it, uh, as far as, as Moon Age Daydream goes, I give it four and a half out of five stars. That is, um, the only reason I, I don't give it a full five stars is because it does skip everything he did in the 90s and even into the early 2000s quite a bit, you know, with um, Outside and um, Earthling and I forget what the other album was that was in there that he did uh, that came out in like 2000, 2001, whatever, I, I forget anyways. And then it kind of just kind of skips on to the 2010s, you know, the last few years of his life. And, uh, but yeah, but it, it's still, it's still a great, it's it's a great watch. It's, uh, uh, especially if you're a Bowie fan, of course, if you listen to the show, you know that especially after hearing our Labyrinth episode, you uh, you can see that, uh, you know that, that 
all three of us are Bowie fans, myself especially. So yeah, um, Clerks 3, Moon Age Daydream, uh, definitely go see them while they're still in the theaters. Um, if not, I understand. I mean, it, it's one of those things that neither one of them are required theater viewing. But if you get a chance, I, I would say you wouldn't do it, especially on the, the Moon Age Daydream and IMAX because it's just so it's so great. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, just a mini episode that I'm doing. I may do a few of these going forward. Um, maybe like once a month, you know, it kind of depends, you know, sometimes with schedules, um, I seem to be the one that actually has more time to go and see and do things <laughs> than either of the other two, because they have like real jobs and, <laughs> and wives, you know, and, and, and all the, uh, the responsibility that comes with that. Uh, but yeah, um, thank you for, uh, spending, you know, this 15 15-ish minutes with me, and uh, I will be back with some more. Um, quite honestly, in the future, we may see Barry or Dave do these as well, just to kind of throw them in uh, midweek stuff or whatever in between episodes. So yeah, guys, thank you so much. Um, like I said, there will be another episode this week. Uh, a little later on, I'm doing some editing there, and but I wanted to do, I wanted to get this out while both these movies are still in the theater and still relevant, so that everyone can hear my take on them, and maybe it will encourage you to go see them. So we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks. Bye. There's a star man waiting in the sky.